Hey kids, this is Yoshi, and this episode of podcast is brought to you by Punk Apparel. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code Yoshi, Y O S H I, in all caps, at the checkout for 15% off all items. Punk Apparel accepts all major currencies and offer free worldwide shipping. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code Yoshi. You're listening to. Okay, welcome to a new episode of Yoshi Den. This episode is sponsored by the adult superstar Brandon Arn. Brandon Iron Productions, and you can find his movies at brandoniron.com, and check out his movies, and uh, he's a fan of the show, and uh, thanks for supporting the show, Brandon. All right, I am right now, we are driving out of San Diego on I-5 northbound, and I'm here with Rosie Tran and Stan Chan, who are uh, been multiple times on the show, and I'm going to be honest with you, I lost a bunch of episodes, <laughs> and... We're trying to fill it up. So if you listen to this and it feels like it's not going anywhere because we're not going anywhere except for trying to go back to Los Angeles. So anyway, uh, we just did a show with Augie T, big star from Hawaii, friend of mine. I met him through Twitter account because he used to listen to the podcast that I should be part of, which is DVDSA with David Cho and Asakira. And uh, we started tweeting to each other and I finally met Augie T three months ago. And we just did a show tonight in San Diego, and yesterday I did a show at the church of all places. The Church Ro- of Christ. <laughs> with Rosie Tran, it was really good. And surprisingly, I was there with a couple of other friends, Wayne Hentai and Hosanna uh, uh, Horsefall. And uh, yeah, uh, it's one of the cleanest shows I've done ever. I mean, that people in the room were like, you know, people don't look like my uncle and aunties. So like, I couldn't really do, you know, my typical Yoshi fisting jokes or punch the baby in the face jokes I couldn't do any of it but surprisingly I kept it clean uh, sweeter and uh, they liked it so that was interesting and Stan who flew in from uh, flew in from Indianapolis today yeah, yeah. and landed in um, San Diego we picked him up and did a show he killed it and Rosie did a fantastic job and uh, so that's it so guys thanks for doing the show Thanks for doing, though, even though we're I'm just like, shoving the damn recording we're host- face. <laughs> we're hostages in the car. It's Can like I just a, tell the listeners? It's like an ISIS video. Yeah. Can I just tell the listeners how awesome it was yesterday when we got to the show? Yoshi had no idea that it was a church show, and there was literally little children and grandmas, and they were playing this peaceful Hawaiian music <laughs> with a <the> ukulele. <laughs> Was that a nightmare for you, Yoshi? Did you like? I mean, what, well, I, you know, like, first how, does, all, how do you feel like when you see that? Do you freak I, out I, I, or are you I indifferent? Was, I was worried because one, I don't mind offending white people, <laughs> right? I don't mind offending white people like because payback. they've done terrible things, so you deserve my comedy. But these are like really sweet Polynesian, Asian, Filipino people from Hawaii. Very gentle. <laughs> very gentle Samoan, Tongan people who were no longer able to afford to live in Hawaii, so they left their homeland. And Augie T is such a big personality for Hawaii. He's doing material which brings their sweet memory from Hawaii, and he put me on the show. And you know, I am obviously the dirtiest 
Yeah. Uh, Asian comic in the North America. I mean, Robert Shimmer said, oh my God, you're the crazy guy. That's why he used to call And him. there was a sweet lady, grandma in the background, feeding Yoshi hot sushi <laughs> before the yeah. show. Oh Homemade hot sushi going, oh, I made this hot sushi for the oh. comedians. Oh. They're hugging him. Oh, excuse putting, me, I got to go up and do my rape of Nan King. Yeah. <laughs> putting lays on him, kissing him, going, oh, thank you so <laughs> much. <laughs> It was really uncomfortable because, um, okay, first of all, Agi T is a very funny comedian, radio personality. He has got number one show in Hawaii. He's also been a couple of uh, Hawaii Five O episodes, and he's like a deputy mayor of one of the small islands. He's like a big person there, and whenever he leaves Hawaii, he does this show throughout North America for all the Hawaiians living in different parts of the country, like um, Stan New, for example number one place outside of Hawaii for Hawaiians are Las Vegas for whatever reason. And there's Hawaiians living in uh, San Diego, San Francisco, Seattle. Alaska. Uh, Alaska, Alaska yeah. which is weird. But um, uh, So anyway, to make the story short, Augie was kind enough to put me on the show, but I'm really on the paper. Like the, uh, That's like a really horrible <laughs> matchup. It's absolutely the horrible matchup. But Did you learn something from it? I mean, it, you... you obviously could work clean and you got laughs and people liked you so did you learn something from this or are you just going to continue on with your like walking audience <laughs> 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 I think I could do half and half and I gotta say I have fun time doing the dirty stuff I mean I have fun audience don't have fun but I have fun doing it you know but clean show if it's short enough it depends on who it is I just have a problem with people getting to my fucking face and say you better do a clean show. Like I'm, you're talking to, you're still talking to a ridiculous person, but you're still talking to an adult, a man, you know. But Augie never came to me like that. He he came with a lot, a lot of love and respect, and I don't have a problem with that. But don't get into my face about clean shit. <laughs> I've hit people, so don't be coming with that attitude. I don't like that. But yeah. I'm not gonna do anything dirty in front of Samoans. I don't wanna get my fucking face beat. <laughs> you know, Samoans, Tongan are the fucking Shrek of uh, Polynesia and Asian parts. You know what I mean? They're just a big, gentle people. So, but that was fun. I mean, it, it was really surprising. And you know, Hosanna is a, a Maori. She's half Maori, a Malo from uh, New Zealand's next top model. And she's like, oh. What, I mean, why don't you just do cleaner stuff so you can get more work? Like, hey, I don't want to do it. And ironically, the, sh the only show that she's ever been to see me was clean show. And I didn't plan to, but he should have told me it was at the church. I mean, why? It was great. We walk up. They were playing ukulele music. There's a lot of families. There's little kids running around. Aww. And there's a giant sign that says Church of Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Yoshi, this is a church show. <laughs> and I'm, awesome. I'm, a, I'm a, you know, in your face atheist. But like, out of respect, I didn't say anything. I'm surprised Yoshi didn't start light on fire as soon as he walked oh, in the building. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this pressure washing with holy water. <laughs> so, so we all done uh, you know plenty of different kind of show, and you know of course if you're doing a room that you do all the time, you have a home court advantage. But when you go on the road, you just never know. I've done prison, I've done nudist colony, I've done all black room, all Latino gang, and Latino ones in East LA, it was all full of gangs and stuff, so I've done plenty of, uh, Didn't they want to kill you? You had to, like, sneak out of there? You jumped into a trash can. Yeah. yeah like... I, I, I've told this story many times on the show, but yes, okay. I, uh, uh, you know, Latino and black people don't like pedophile jokes. Let me just say, though, that it, you never know, because you did the clean show at the church, they absolutely loved you, you had people hugging yeah. you, telling you you were great, taking pictures with you. 
the week before that, Yoshi and I were in Vegas at the Dirty at 1230. Yeah, there was some pretty, it was called the Dirty at 1230, and we had a blast. Yoshi and I had great sets. But some of the other comics who were really dirty and funny didn't do so well because the, co- the audience was offended. Some of the audience were offended. But it's the Dirty Show. Hmm. It's a, it's a nuanced thing, too, you know? So that's like, what I don't get. It's like, you're at the Dirty Show, you know you're at the Dirty Show, yet people were offended. I but mean, sometimes yeah. somebody's not likable, so like that might yeah. be a factor. But go ahead, Sam. Oh, no, no. In fact, I was just about to say that, that I think what you really have going for you, Yoshi, is that you're very, very likable. And, and that, that really, and that's how, you know, Why don't you, you say do... that to my family? <laughs> everyone, everyone except your family who's turned their backs on you. But, um... <laughs> No, so you're very likable, so, you know, everyone enjoys your comedy, so... But it is funny to watch, you know, I've, I've watched you so many times, and, like, most of the time, you'll, you'll do your dirty stuff, and it kills, yeah. but there's always, like, one joke, or you'll say something in a certain way, and it's like, you fall off the high wire, <laughs> and the audience just immediately turns on you. I've, I, I watch it all the time. I've what, seen what that, interesting. Uh, or, and I've also seen everyone enjoying you, and then maybe one or two sour-faced people yeah. that just look like they want to stab you, and that <laughs> also brings joy to my heart. <laughs> What's that little uh, toy? I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with this toy, Rosie, but there was a toy. It's a whale barrel, and there's a pirate inside, and everyone take a turn putting a sword. And uh, whoever uh, unlucky enough to push the pirate will pop up. You lose, right? Oh, okay. My my jokes are like oh, sometimes yeah. I go a little too far. It's just the, the, I did one too many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the one dirty joke to broke the uh, back of a camel's back, whatever that saying is, you know. And um, yeah, yeah, you'll say something. I mean, like one joke just won't land right, or yeah. you'll say it a certain way, and then all of a sudden, yeah, the audience just flips. But I've seen, I've seen you save it. Like, I, I did a show with you at the HaHa a long time ago, years ago. And you were talking about kicking women down the stairs. And the audience turned on you. They yeah. hated you. And then you saved it. You said, guys, it's so funny because I'm kicking a fake woman down the stairs. It's yeah. not real. And then everyone kind of snapped out of judging you. And then they liked you again. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I've seen you save it. Yeah, I told him, like, oh, you guys are angry because I kicked the invisible woman. You know. And, uh, <laughs> and then they kind of, like, lightened up. <laughs> I, 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 uh... I think I got out of this like comedy funk like maybe five six months ago and then I've been doing more and more shows and uh, adding more um, what I've been doing is like I'm more like half and half like I still do some edgy sometimes dirty stuff but other one is like something that even kids like like tonight when we took the show something even kids like it, you know I was shocked did you see that little um, like a Polynesian little girl that was walking around taking pictures yeah, that's 10-year-old. The one we took a picture with? There was another one, too. Oh, like, I see her. They're no. just, like, Polynesian people are very sweet-looking people. I mean, they're the stereotypes, like, they're savages or whatever, but, but, but when you went, they're just a very sweet, gentle people. Even Samoan people, like, everyone thinks they're, like, me, but they're not. Well, if they're football players, they're me, but... I've never thought, uh, yeah, they're, every time they're you go They're very sweet, and they just don't like when white, when people are being loud, hmm. you know, i.e. white people, and, uh... But yeah, it, it was really, really fun. It was very sweet. Um, I enjoyed that a lot. And it's always good to do different rooms because kind of ex- oh, sure. exercise, right? Like you don't want to do the same weight lifting every day. You want to kind of mix around, do different kind of exercise. And that, I, I really thought that was a fun. And Stan and I are, we are doing the marathon in September in Hawaii. So, you know, I got to start running. I've been walking a lot, but in a month or so, I'm going to start running again. 
So hopefully we could do some shows in Hawaii too, because I haven't been there for 12 years. Last time I was in Hawaii, I just beat up my stepmother in Japan, got in the last minute plane on the United, landed in Hawaii, my friend Tanya Manu picked me up, we were hanging out in Hawaii for like eight hours, and I come back to USA. I didn't really relax in Hawaii because I just like, oh my God, did I murder that person, you know? So, whoa, <laughs> what a downer. But anyway, uh, <laughs> And the podcast goes downhill. <laughs> but anyway, um, so we were talking about comedy, so let's talk a couple of things in comedy and see, uh, maybe we, we make a call comedy conversation. So, you, Stan, you were talking before we were recording, you say something about Amy Schumer's Bill of, Bill of Rights for oh, yeah, Asians yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, she... Um, well, explain to people who don't know who Amy Schumer is. Amy Schumer, a uh, New York comedian, obviously very, uh, very successful, has a uh, show on Comedy Central, um, is fin- coming out. Finalist in Last Comic Standing. Yeah, Last Comic Standing. Uh, Finished the filmed movie. Filmed movie with Judd Apatow right. as the director, so... Barranco's Chuck Schumer, who's a very powerful congressman from New York City. But very funny. Very yeah, funny. Very funny. Great stand-up. Just very funny. Her show, I love. It's yeah. just... It's, all her skits are funnier than anything that's been on Saturday Night Live. And I think some of you might have seen her on HBO's Girls, and she was fantastic on it. So, anyway, you were saying, so, what? what is this thing that she's doing right now? I think she was just on a podcast, and they were, they were also talking about comedy. And then they started, I think she kind of went on maybe a little bit of a rant, or talked about how comedy clubs should treat comedians better. Right. Since and, we don't have a union... Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's, um, did you read it, Rosie? I, I didn't, know. but I can address the topic. Okay. Um, I didn't read it, but I heard her on Brian Koppelman's podcast complaining about one particular club near Boston that was treating comedians really bad. Which is, I think, she was talking about things about how they, you know, comedy clubs should treat comedians better, you know, because obviously if you don't have the comedian, the audiences, you know, don't show up. And right. Just trying to do nicer things for them, and it was it was kind of interesting to to read it, you know, just in terms of like, oh, I don't know, spending spending money to so the comedians can take a cab to the show yeah. instead of having like the dishwasher pick them up and drive them in their crappy car and um, actually cleaning the bed, maybe changing the sheet. Yeah, yeah, week. talking about comedy condos, you know, it should be nice. Just spending extra money, and, right? Um, you know, treating the, the comedians nicer, which I thought was, I, I agree, and, and on, on some points, you know, and, and it's kind of an interesting world, comedy clubs, because I think there are comedy clubs that, you know, could treat comedians nicer. I, I certainly, in Indianapolis, there's a comedy club which treats their comedians horribly, yeah. and, and I don't work there. Um, and then, I, you know, we've all been to clubs with that the, the comedy clubs treat you awesome. I mean, you know, talk a little bit about like the Hermosa Club. Comedy Magic Club, one of the best clubs in the country. Comedy Sound, New York City, another great club. But why? Why? It just. They feed the comedians, they treat them with respect, and they're nice. <laughs> Some I, I basic stuff. <laughs> I particularly have to say, Mike Lacey, who owns Comedy, uh, comedy Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, who have Jay Leno every Sunday, um, they treat. I have never seen treatment like that. You know, uh, food. Even if you're not performing, they're gonna feed you. They treat you. They. He always understood like you need to treat the talent with a lot of respect, yeah. a lot of love, a lot of care. And um, he even 
then allow people that who were known to steal other people's joke performing there, then matter how big of a star they were. So the commitment that Comedy Magic Club made in Hermosa Beach in California, tremendous. Just like Comedy Cellar, who many of you probably see in uh, Louis C.K.'s show, where Louis is going down the stairs to Comedy Cellar. So yeah. those are the two big clubs that I think have a lot of respect and history. And, uh, you know, com obviously, Comedy, comedy Store in LA is coming back, uh, Ice House in uh, Pasadena, California. Uh, but, they're, they're, but they're pretty successful, and I think that's why, because they... If you, it's like how you do anything is how you do everything. So if they're treating people with respect, yeah. they're obviously treating their clients well and their audience members and, and customers. Yeah, I think maybe that's what it, it boils down to is that you you feel that you're respected by by the club. You by know? the way, I think we need to get gas. Sorry, I forgot to get gas. But anyway, um, <laughs> but you know, you feel your respect. I think that's the bottom line. Yeah. And you know, but you know, I think maybe a lot of clubs. They're just barely getting by by the skin of their teeth, or not, not they're losing money. So I mean, maybe you not necessarily can invest yeah. those kind of niceties for the comedian. It, it was really nice for Amy to say it because she's big enough star that it's not going to affect her. Yeah. So it was nice that somebody in position of power actually saying things that maybe public don't know to help the, the little guy, right? Comedians yeah. don't uh, how comedians are treated. This I got to tell you, when I went to Europe, I was shocked. The treatment was completely opposite. Uh, especially in Norway, they treat stand-up comedian as an artist. Like they, they, they treat you with the respect. You know what I mean? No heckling, nothing like that. So like, at first I, I thought that oh this is really funny. They, 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 but like, I, I, it's almost like you're a batter wife. You're so used to <laughs> getting treated like shit. So if they made a little bit above the minimum uh, uh, courtesy, oh this is a nice club. But in Europe, it's especially in Scandinavia. They really, really treat you with a lot of respect. They pay you really well, and uh, yeah, they really treat it like an art form. And my experience in London was the same too. They really—I mean, if you're not funny in London, they were going to heckle you and call you names. But yeah, there's a lot more respect that uh, I don't think we're used to it until you, re unless you're a superstar. Then of course they they bought a way to make sure you have a first-class experience. But right. Uh, well, yeah, so, maybe it's interesting because you know a lot of comedians don't have a lot of self self-esteem for themselves you know self-respect and you know like a lot of comics that just I don't know they're, they're kind of on the fringes of society and they, yeah. they accept that kind of treatment or behavior from clubs like everyone he's talking about me but go ahead but you know like Yoshi and I started in Seattle and there was a club there called Giggles and yeah. the owner was Terry Taylor and he just treated the, the, the local comedians just horribly and well, I think he part, would, of, part he, of it because he knew he could get away with it because people are so desperate to get stage time. Well, yeah, yeah, that was the thing. And, and he, you know, usually the structure of most comedy clubs, you have uh, the opener, the MC, the middle, and the yeah. headliner. But at most comedy clubs, everyone gets paid. Uh, even the MC gets paid yeah. to a certain extent. The giggles would not pay any of the openers. His structure, what he'd have like maybe like four or five comedians yeah. go up before then the headliner. headliner. Yeah. And then the headliner. He would only pay the headliner. Like right. everybody else worked for free. And I was like, I couldn't believe that. I was going, why don't you guys just like band together and not go to sh perform for like You have a, a better month. chance of a bunch of uh, porn stars creating union to comedians. There's no way. It's just like 
Yeah. You, you, you have two different groups, but they're both dysfunctional. You know what I mean? And right. I thought I'm part of the problem too. But and here's I, the thing, because if if people band together, everyone has to do it or it doesn't work. But sure. there's so many desperate comedians who aren't funny or need stage time or who are new who would just undercut it yeah. just to get in, which is weaselly, yeah. but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, well, didn't they do it at the comedy store for a while? They did. They did, they did it, and now it's like what twenty-five bucks a set. I mean, it's nothing. Yeah, and one of the guy killed at, himself after the uh, yeah. strike was banned from club or something. If I remember right, but he jumped from the uh, hotel next Steve door. Steve, I can't remember, but Lu- he killed himself. Yeah, yeah the highest. Loop, loop yeah. Loops. Right. He had a sign in his neck that "Hi, my name is so and so. I used to perform comedy." So he jumped and killed himself. So. Yeah, so um, those are the issues for those of you who don't know about stand-up comedy, you know, we have to deal with. But it's true, like, a lot of actors need a stage time. I mean, they stay, you know, I'm sure a lot of them work for little or no money just to get experience to act, too. So Here's the thing. I don't care about getting paid if it's, like... What? Well, Convinced. let me... <laughs> I don't care about getting paid if I'm, like, auditioning for something or I'm opening or sure. it's the first time I'm doing something. But if you're charging... $25, $30 a ticket, yeah. and the headliner's making a certain amount, and the staff is making a certain amount, which some, which many times happens. So the staff is getting paid, the headliner's getting paid, right. and there's people on the yeah. show who are performing, and they're doing a good job, and they're being professional, and they're getting $0, even the busboy's getting paid. Sure. That's when that bothers me, when you're charging $25, $30, yeah. and then I'm in the yeah. back trying to peddle my you know merchandise or whatever, right. and people are saying, well, I already paid 20, you know, spent $100 tonight, I'm not going to buy your merch. So people aren't understanding yeah, that money's that being made. Money's being made, but yeah. we're not getting it. Yeah, so yeah. that's when it bothers sure. me when everyone's getting paid yeah. except for the comedians and you know maybe one comedian's getting paid. That will feel like okay. <laughs> um, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon because if if, if um, you're 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 not going to get better if you don't get stage time. And if you get quality stage time, you can take the next exit. But um, <laughs> uh, quality. Um, um, Stage time, and if you're be if you're seen by a really big name, even though if you're working free, that could change your life by going on the road with this person, or you know, or be seen by people. So, I I'm very skeptic that um, that's gonna change anytime soon, unless there's union or something or club. I don't know. Do you think that's even realistic? I, it'll be nice. I, I don't think it's realistic, but I'm just saying that's when it really bothers me. If, yes. you know, they're charging five, ten bucks at the door and, you know, people are barely getting paid and the headliner's barely getting paid. Okay, I understand. You know, I get it. But if they're charging $25, $35 a ticket and that money isn't going all to the headliner because he's a star, it's just a regular local headliner or something. Yeah. And then the club's keeping yeah. 90% of the profits. Yeah. That's when it really bothers me. Right. I don't think it's going to change, but that's when it really bugs me. And right. I don't, I don't sure. think... And, and I don't think audience really give a fuck because all they want is I paid and I just want to laugh. I don't want to be bothered by your problems. <laughs> and I, Some people, but that's not true. They tried. They had a strike in New York for a little while. They tried to do a comedy union about five, six years ago. I was in New York at the time and there were had protesters in front of the Ha Comedy Club, which is like a C-level club. And and pe- they were telling the people, hey, don't go in there. The comedians don't get paid. Oh, it's and other side. So many people... Yeah. Stopped and said, "Whoa, you guys aren't getting paid. All right, all right, I won't patronize here because they didn't know that." Yeah. Um, so you know, who knows? I, I I don't think that's anytime. It's going to change anytime soon. But anyway, let me push pause because I got to put a gas in my car, and we'll be back in a few minutes. All right, we're back. <laughs> we got a gas. We're driving out of there. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, so Rosie, yeah, I understand. I mean, I, I hope, um, you know, maybe there's changes and I, I think, yeah, I, I think maybe the first thing we need to do is let the public know what's going on. Well, I'm glad Amy was brave enough to say something. Obviously, like you said, it's not going to hurt her career because she's a big star now. Yeah. But I mean, she her... She definitely a uh, uh, street credibility among comedians for saying that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because... I, re I, re I remember even like when Mencia got in trouble, like a lot of comedians who wanted to say something, when they're like, good, somebody said it. But, <laughs> good job, Joe. All about That's me. what they were saying, like, yeah, funny, somebody said it, you know. So... I don't know, I have mixed feelings because Mencia always been nice to me, but that's the consensus from people like, good, somebody said it, so... Yeah, I think, I think as, as Rosie was kind of talking about it, it, it boils down to, you know, respect, and yeah. you feel like you're not being taken advantage yeah. of... And the sad part is what Yoshi said about the abused housewife, it's like comics need so little to feel respected, <laughs> yet they're still not even doing that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's like, yeah, they'll, they definitely respond to a little bit. And, for example... Um, I'm on, I, I did earlier this year, I was on that last TV show. On Fox, right? Uh, yeah, it's in like, I don't know, a half dozen markets on Fox TV. Yeah. And it's, it's by Steve Hofstetler who, um, who set the whole thing up. And I guess there was some controversy initially that um, he wasn't paying any of the comedians to do the TV show. Right. And I honestly believe there just wasn't that budget. He wasn't like... Um, you don't think he was screwing people over? No, I don't think he was necessarily... He wasn't taking advantage of people that he was going to make a, a ton of cash off this right. thing. Um, and even eventually... He wasn't paying us initially, but eventually he did. He was able... I mean, the show got renewed, and he found the money, and he did right. pay everybody something. Um, but I didn't feel that was a situation where I was... Felt like I was being taken advantage of because... I think that was a, a good experience for a lot of the comedians who, you know, probably did not have prior TV time. It really, it's a good experience in terms yeah. of like, okay, how do you develop a tight five-minute TV set? Yeah. Um, and, and so that that I found valuable, and you, you come away with some experience and and something from it. But yeah, you don't feel like you're being taken advantage of. So it's not necessarily, I don't think, money. I think I think it is that quality that you don't think somebody's ripping you off. Yeah, if, and, and, if, and, if, if we know that you're making money, if you're not making any money and maybe even losing the money, then we we understand. But it's always nice because if you're that broke, even that you can drive to Orange County and do a gig for like seventy five dollars, you know, I don't know what what I'm doing. Like that might help that person for three four days, you know. So uh, it's just if as long as people are trying to help you because you're doing their show for free I think that's all we we ever ask for you know but yeah if you fill in a 400 room place and people are paying money for it and like you can't even give them gas money that's like you know that's fucking shitty attitude as far as I'm concerned oh I know I well I there was this one guy who uh, he goes around doing these huge uh, like it's like for the military yeah that's how he builds it and like, he fills up these huge theaters, and he's, like, making a shitload of money, and he had me come down for, like, a $100. But, I mean, I don't know. It was, it was that thing where I know I'm doing something which uh, hopefully benefits the military, but yeah. still at the same time, I know he was kind of really profiting off of oh, it. Oh, sure. And, uh, I don't know, it really messed with my head in terms of, well... I do want to do something that, that, that helps the military, obviously, being a 
being a veteran, but I know this guy's making. Yeah, what a kind of load. person doesn't want to serve our military personnel? You got to be a pretty fucking selfish person. Well, I, oh, I don't know. It, it, it tore me in a lot of different, yeah, weird ways because you I did want to. I did want to help, but this guy's making a lot of money off of this, and yet I'm going down there for a hundred dollars. Sure, but I don't know. Yeah, so I, I think it. I think it, at least for me, because yeah. I mean, at least with what I do, it doesn't really. Money isn't the, the main reason at all that I do stand-up comedy, but it, it is like if you feel you're being disrespected, that really bothers. You want to work hard, you want to try new material, you want to have fun, but you also don't want to be feel like treated like a second citizen. Uh, second yeah, 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 yeah. Like you're a sucker for, for yeah, doing it, like you know, taking your time to come down and do a show and and whatnot. So, um. So let's talk something more about, let's go back and forth, uh, negative and positive, and then talk about something positive right now. Um, I, I apologize to Bill Burr because I forgot that the, the, the title of the new uh, special that he did, he did something like uh, Sorry You Feel That Way or something like that. It was fantastic on Netflix, and if you have uh, access to Netflix, watch Bill Burr's special. It was black and white. It was... Oh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. You know... Um, I think more people. Should, I mean, of course, he's a big star, but go check out Bill Burr. He's been on fire. He was on um, Bill Simmons, one of, my, one of my favorite podcasts. Doesn't, on he have a, doesn't he have a show coming out, like a network show? Uh, he has a cartoon at the end of the year on Netflix, if I remember. He's on the movie called Black and White, if I remember right, with uh, Kevin Costner right now. Um, he was kind enough to do the show. I kind of helped here and there with my friend Ernie. Uh, with Mario Hemingway's podcast, he was funny on that one. They haven't released that episode, and uh, he was on HBO with the Politically Incorrect with um, Bill, Bill Maher. Maher. Yeah, yeah, he was funny on it. So, yeah, and, didn't wasn't like what was Bill Maher talking? About? Oh, he was talking about American Sniper or something. Yeah, Bill Maher about, tried to say something a little bit despairingly about uh, American Sniper and, and kind of. There's been a lot of mixed stuff about it. Yeah, yeah, and Bill Burr, like, kind of shut him down. I, I that's no, he, he was kind of respectful about it, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's... Uh, I really don't have a, a strong feeling one way or another, because I don't know the detail about it, but uh, uh, it's making a lot of money for Clint, Clint Eastwood. Well, supposedly it's being misinterpreted, because I guess Clint Eastwood is really anti-war. I yeah. don't know, I've read a bunch of mixed things online. Um, right, uh-huh. And, and I think uh, Seth Rogen and Michael Moore say something about... Well, I mean, I don't know. You know, Seth Rogen kind of twittered and he said, oh, the movie reminded me of the movie that was in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Do you remember that? It was like... It was talking like a Nazi about, propaganda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he was the glorified sniper, which I don't know if it was necessarily such a slam or anti-patriotic against... American Sniper, although the thing I think that Michael Moore said... It's like, they're a coward because my dad told me the only cowards are snipers. Yeah, I think that. that's like, wow, you're grouping. And then when he tried, I don't know if you remember, he, he tried to further explain it, talking about what his remarks were, yeah. and then he actually started talking about Martin Luther King, because I guess it was Martin Luther King's birthday. Yeah, talking about he was, got him. Yeah, I was like, wow. You're grouping Martin Luther King's assassin in with all snipers. Like, yeah. oh my god. Yeah, I think I, I, I definitely see why people are offended by what I, I just Moore heard says. the guy who, who, who uh, based on the American sniper, 
Uh, he wrote a book, and maybe Chris some Kyle. of that. Yeah, some of the stuff wasn't factual. I don't know. I mean, he had a fight with Jesse Ventura or something like that. I don't. I don't know the detail. I don't want to. He he got into a fight with Jesse Ventura, who is also a former Navy SEAL. Say, former governor of Minnesota and a wrestler. Supposedly, he. He was he, at a funeral. He had a chapter in his book yeah. that he beat up Jesse Ventura and yeah. some bar. Jesse Ventura yeah. sued him, and they took that chapter out of the book. Yeah. And so the the question is whether Chris Kyle's legitimate heroism, because I guess there's a lot of parts of his book I don't know. I haven't read the book yeah. that are either exaggerated or mm-hmm. or not true, supposedly. Yeah. I I don't know. And so people were who are against the film say that the film kind of glorifies him yeah. as a hero when he may or may not have been a hero. I mean, you know, uh, I enjoyed the movie. I don't think it's the kind of movie I'll watch again, but I uh, enjoyed it. Um, First of all, I didn't even know that was Sienna Miller. Man, she looks different with brown hair. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I saw that in the credits, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> they're talking down. about. They're talking about war and people getting killed. And was he here or not? But the only thing that uh, Rosie was concerned with. Wow, check out Sienna Miller's hair. <laughs> She's hot, though. It's interesting. I mean, it. The whole American sniper debate kind of reminded me. And you veteran too, so I'm sure you have a feeling. Uh, some. Uh, well, it did kind of remind me of when um, we went into the you know the, the wars with um, Afghanistan and sure. Iraq. Well, I don't know if you guys remember. There, I mean, you know, the people who were against the war, kind of like when we had the whole you know like the Dixie Chicks. It was almost like anybody who disagreed. With us going, starting into Iraq or Afghanistan, you immediately kind of got shut down. It's like, you know. You're unpatriotic. Yeah, you're unpatriotic, yeah. exactly. And it, it kind of reminds me about that a little bit that you can't even have the discussion, you know, like. I think, I think people should be able to discuss it. I was actually disgusted in the movie, not because of the content, but after the movie, I was leaving with my husband and this obvious, uh, you know, one of those. Um, what is it called when you rally around the flag? People, like you said, who can't... Patriot or... Um, he, I mean, I wouldn't call him a patriot. He stood up and was making these loud, very obnoxious comments. Oh, do you hear there are some comedians out there? Blah, blah. And, I mean, those are type, the types of obnoxious people that I think, you know, kind of take away from... Maybe you're watching the movie and you feel patriotic and then you're, like, ashamed to be American with this loud guy yelling in the movie about yeah. America. You're like, oh, God, please, sir. Anyway, going... It's interesting. I mean, you... I mean, you I think you can, you definitely can separate the two. I mean, if you have problems with American policy, I don't think it has anything to do with you not being supportive of the military. Yeah. You know. We don't have a good relationship with Iran, but like Iranian people, I feel bad for them because I don't like uh, their religious leaders and, and people in the government, but I think Iranian people are good. In fact, we should be friends with them and not so much with Saudi Arabia. I don't, you know, I just don't like their policies over there, but... Once again, you go back to oil. And um, have you have you guys heard that Sandhope bit about taking the troop the troop out to dr- to get a drink? No, yeah, you got to tell Glado. Okay. Oh, I, I just I don't know if you guys know that bit. Sandhope has a bit about it about supporting the troops, and he's like, "Is that troop cool? Like, if that troop's, I'm not gonna just I don't know. I can't. I don't want to misquote the oh, I think I think I know what you're it's saying. It's a really funny bit. You're saying the guy might be an asshole. Yeah, yeah. So he's yeah. saying he supports the troop if that troop is like. Am I going to go drinking with this troop? Is he a cool guy? Uh, it's a pretty funny bet. <laughs> so, Belbert was talking about that. He, he, he did a great. He had a bunch of funny bits about New England Patriots, you know, 
supposed scandal with uh, inflating or deflating the balls, and um, um, it was funny. And um, yeah, I, 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 um, we were talking oh, about I, this because did tomorrow's you see, Super Bowl. Did, did you see? I guess I don't know. I just I didn't actually see the clip, but it was like. I guess they had a room full of comedians from both cities. Yeah. And, like, obviously, fucking Boston is totally... There's, like, everybody is fucking from Boston. Yeah. And, like, Seattle had, I think, Jeff Dye and <laughs> Nick Thune were the two, two representing Seattle. What was this on? I know, it was on some... I saw it was, like, on some news clip. But they and were, where were you? And well, Yoshi. Yeah, right. And Brody Stevens. Yeah, Brody. See, we yeah. Brody Craig. I think Mitch Hedberg is considered as a Seattle comic. He, he was is there considered time, a Seattle comic. He passed away 10 years ago. Um, so anyway, Bill Burr was great. And um, um, I have to say, he he's such a stand-up guy. You know, every promise he made, he keep up, keep. And uh, there's many, many funny people. But Bill, to me, is someone... Uh, still kind to even like a new comic, you know, the, he doesn't go out yeah. and maliciously hurt people's feelings. He has a right combination of funniness, respect from a comedian, success, and uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, he, I, I saw yeah. him a year ago in Sweden, he killed it, and all my Swedish comedian friends were saying like, I've never seen Swedish audience be that lively and responding so wow. positive to a comedy, to a comedian like Bill Burr, so. No, I don't know if you guys have not seen it and uh, this clip there's a great clip of Bill Burr in Philadelphia right and this was oh with the heckler with the he yeah where the audience <laughs> is just the worst was it that ONA virus tour yeah, Yoshi yeah the ONA virus tour I mean Yoshi has his own experience with dealing with these monsters they're just the worst I mean just, when oh. they like you they love you yeah. If you don't know, you don't. You haven't earned their respect. They would just blow your ass off, and I couldn't even handle three thousand room people room, you know. But Bill, did with, they start booing you? Did, you, did they start booing you before you before you got before you got to no, the? No, I mean you kind of heard a little bit like, uh, no, that can't be booing me already. But it was just very little. But a couple just minutes, couple <laughs> minutes into it, like they didn't like the kind of stuff I was doing stage. It was like avalanche of fucking hate, and it just. And the only time I got cheered was like, okay, well, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, thank you very much. And like when I was finished, like they start clapping, yeah, get off. And like, like they were booing you on the way to your room, too. Uh, they? Well, after the show, when I was walking back to my room, like a couple hours later, uh, 20 to 30 of them were just heckling me. I could see it on the floor. But there's a great clip. I mean, watch, look, it, look it up on YouTube of Bill Burr. Like this audience just heckling him throughout his tire act. Like, he will not. He will not. Yeah. He did not back down. He sat there and like counted down the clock. Like, yeah, like fifteen minutes, and he just came back at him. And, and if you listen to the clip, he kind of turn. He turns the audience around. They yeah. are laughing at at how viciously he's he is going after them. Just calling them a bunch of like muscle shirt wearing, you know, wife beating Rocky lovers. Like you worship Rocky. He doesn't even exist. And, um, but it's just great, and I love that clip, and I, I remember that time that all three of us went to see him in Vegas that time when he was uh, touring with the uh, Anti-Social Tour. Uh, Anti-Social Network, and I think I was on the show. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you were on. It That's was... the first time I actually talked to Bill because yeah. I want to talk to him before, but like I didn't know how to introduce myself, but since I was on the same bill, 
uh, he was great and it's always nice to meet someone that you like and respect actually seeing you oh, do sure. really well but that's the problem with other comedians if you ate it that's how they remember it doesn't matter how many other good shows you do the first time when they saw you eat it like Patrice O'Neill after seeing my show he said uh, he basically said I'm a hack and completely worthless and, uh, <laughs> well he got that right right and his um, manager framed yes. the uh, the text oh good memory Rose. yeah yeah it's just like Patrice is a, a, a hand, it's just slamming, you know, slamming me. But uh, he took a screenshot of the text Patrice sent to his manager saying Yoshi was a worthless hack, and he framed it yeah. in his office <laughs> next to his picture of Fidel Castro. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm glad that makes you really happy, Rosie. <laughs> it um, does. <laughs> but yeah, so that's how I met Bill, and uh, he's been great, yeah. and uh, just, and I just love his. It's, it's amazing that he could. Do, by the way, when he did that show in Philadelphia, it's, it's a, that's a comedic version of. Seeing Keanu Reeves' character Matrix fighting ten thousand—that's uh, <laughs> how it was. Uh, you know, it was just a one man, one man versus twelve thousand people. So after the show in Las Vegas, I asked him about that. Yeah, you know, like what were you thinking? Like, and I thought he'd like kind of, yeah, you know, I was like thinking I'd really want to get at him and blah blah blah. But he was just like he's—he was like really honest and very modest about. It. He said, "I just want, you know, I just wanted to survive up there. Yeah, you know, I just didn't want to get torn apart, but." Yeah, I was really struck by his modesty and, and what a gentle and extremely nice guy he was. Yeah, he I really know. is. He's a, he's a decent, I mean, he's an amazing person. Yeah, as so, opposed to uh, Patrice who... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Patrice was unbelievable. He was great. I always tell people, he said, this is like an American football reference, so if you don't watch football, it makes no sense. But to me, he was comedy version of Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor, who used to play for New York Giants, uh, I think middle linebacker, he was so powerful and aggressive, he literally changed the game. I mean, people had to change the, the uh, he put a defensive position, offense had to change. Well, Patrice really, he was just force of nature. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I got to do that one show. Uh, he completely told me I was completely worthless. But um, <laughs> last time I saw him, we got an argument because he, he was telling me for 12 hours why he hated Asian people. And uh, he's a black uh, comedian. But anyway, um, well, let's can we talk about that? Because have yeah. you have you ever listened to? Because he does this thing uh, he, when he was on O and A, and there's this great episode where he talks about why he doesn't like Asian people. That's have fine, you? but he doesn't put me in the same category because you and I and Rosie are not. He's talking about recently immigrated people from China yeah. who don't give a fuck about other race or other Chinese. Right. They're just there to make money. Right. And I was telling Patrice, like, look, they're fucking rude to me too. Don't, don't, <laughs> believe me, they don't, I'm, I'm sure they, they're very rude to black people because they watch all the TV movies, think like black people steal this and that, not knowing all the suffering that they've gone through in America and there are many right. kind people. Well, I mean, yeah, I think, and, I, yeah, his, his primary argument was talking about, yeah, recently immigrated Asian people who yeah. don't they don't have social skills yeah. about you know I don't know how to how you treat people or um, I don't communicate or get along with people which I thought was very funny I mean I listened to the thing and go yeah he has a lot of points but it's true but they have 1.3 billion people and places fucking packed and every time you have to be polite to everyone you'll be dead because you run out of time to do stuff <laughs> I mean I'm just, I'm just being honest with you there's so many fucking people Chinese people think you're stupid waiting lying because they will cut cut line they will cut it they cut the line the way they cut prices on product and services you know what I mean <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying like 
yeah. you know, my hometown in Japan, Osaka, Japan, is not that bad, but we don't say hello to people. We say mokarimaka, which is, did you make any money today? That, you know what I mean? Like, we, we cut the chase, you know what I mean? So, I understand. And, and Patrice is from New York, where people in general. Boston, I think. Well, he was living in New York. That's true. Yeah. With and the Asians in New York, uh, in addition aggressive. to that, are even more aggressive than the Asians in other places. <laughs> I mean, they're just you know, uh, I I understand, but I just didn't like him giving lecture about how much he didn't like Asians while talking with food coming out of his mouth, hitting my face, giving <laughs> and like telling me like fuck, I brought you porn for like ten years free because you know what started the conversation during the comedy show. He said like because blah 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 because you know. I don't have any Asian friends. Like, what the fuck? I thought I thought we were friends. I'm not saying we're best friends, but <laughs> I brought all this fucking sex toys and movies, and we have a laugh. Like, what do you mean? We're, we're, what? So that kind of annoyed me. Like, what? You just take, take gift from strangers? I thought you were getting gift from a fucking friend. But anyway, that's how Patrice say I love you by saying you're a fucking completely worthless piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise, otherwise he would just ignore you, right? Yeah. But I mean, I have much, much love for, I mean, Patrice, he really was one of the greatest comedians. Oh, he was so fucking funny. I think he was on the verge of really breaking out and busting into yeah, the Yeah, it's bad news for my friend Jonathan Branson, who was representing him and Jim Norton, because he would have made millions out of the guy. He fucking dies three, literally over three years ago. And when I landed in Stockholm, when my friend Jason Ross, who picked me up, he just said, like, oh man, Patrice died. I had no idea. very sad because to lose someone with that kind of talent oh yeah it's, it's sad and uh, whatever the difference I had with David Joe Dave was very kind enough to do an album for Patrice's last album and it's a beautiful artwork it is absolutely beautiful was artwork. that Mr. P I think no, so no it wasn't Mr. P it was uh, Elephant in the Room no 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 it's no. the one after that and it's ama- it's funny to me that a group of people that he hate one of them with an amazing artistic talent did an album for him and his girlfriend and the family would love the um, cover because it's a, it's a beautiful part of uh, artwork so um, can I change another subject into the comedy because um, we lost a two two big names in comedy last year and both of them I did not meet and I know Rosie you met at least one of them um, I feel very very sad and uh, Robert Williams I mean, I just been hearing nothing but sweet stories about things that he was doing to people that I, I, I didn't know. I did meet him. I met him at the Improv in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, he dropped by to do a set. He was shooting his new sitcom, which was canceled after one season, unfortunately. Yeah. And I didn't know that he was going to commit suicide, but I definitely had a feeling that something was up. Usually when comedians, you know, obviously he's an idol, so when comedians see him, they just here's the thing a lot of comedians are take 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 and they're all oh Robin Williams uh. I you know whatever said hi to him talked to him a little bit but you can tell when someone's really sad yeah. and I felt that from him I felt that he looked sad yeah. he you know everyone always says he's really humble but it was more than just being humble it seemed like a sadness yeah. And I've seen that before in other people. I saw that. I mean, I know this is, she's not a comedian, but I saw that in Britney Spears before she had her mental breakdown and sure. shaved her head and went crazy. I saw uh, her in an interview and I was looking at her and I was like, she looks really sad. There was something about her that looked really sad. You and can then, see it in the eyes. Yeah, she yeah. looked dead or, or out of it or like a zombie. 
and then a couple months later she had her mental breakdown so you can kind of tell if you're paying attention and not just trying to take selfies or whatever people try how, to do how when you saw Rob Williams how much before he, uh, uh, it was about a month Oh and my god. It was before his I didn't know that. It was before his show was canceled. He was at the improv. He dropped by and Rita introduced me to him. Rita's the general manager. And um Amazing Rita, she's always nice. She's always nice. She's always been nice to me. And uh we chatted for a little bit and yeah. and he was very sweet and uh a lot of the comics it's so funny, comics are so funny. They're you know, oh can you take a selfie with me, this and that and then they kinda but then some comics were trying to act too cool for school, like it wasn't freaking Robin Williams right there. Yeah. You know, but but he's I talked to him for a little bit, he was really sweet. And he said, I'm in town, you know, working on my show because he lives in he lived in Northern California. He's and, from San Francisco, yeah. And uh, he said, I'm in town working on my show. What was it, the wild the wild ones? No, what was it called? It was like he worked in an advertising. He was an advertising firm agency and Clista Flockhart. No, Sarah Michelle. Oh, Sarah Geller. Michelle Geller was in it. Yeah. And um, it had amazing ratings, but for CBS it was low ratings. For comedy, because he has such, has such high ratings, hmm. and um, well, I mean, they have shows like Big Bang Theory, like which is like 12, 14, 15, 16, whatever it is, crazy. Numbers. But for any other network, it would have been amazing yeah. ratings, hmm. and so they ended up canceling it. And I'm not sure if this is true, but I I do follow Roseanne on Twitter, and she follows me, and she was tweeting that she feels that the uh, sitcom. Um, system killed him something with how the executives and this and that and it's a witch hunt and I don't necessarily disagree with her because I remember you know I'm not a big Whitney Cummings fan but I remember hearing Whitney on Stern saying it's crazy and same thing with Margaret Cho happened with Margaret Cho with her sitcom where the executives kind of it's it's I don't know much about the system but supposedly they're really hard on comedians and it's not a healthy environment oh yeah and the executives try to give you creative I mean you're the creative person they're business people they have no, no insight on anything and yet they're your boss and they're oh, ordering yeah. you around and other things I mean like there's that. like one show right now which I think it must have like executive fingers in it have you seen any of the episodes for Mulaney no <laughs> I heard it I heard Mulaney was not that great oh it's time. horrible it's horrible right it's horrible and he's a funny dude but they have like Martin Short and yeah. Elliot Gould on it I mean a lot of people like Martin Short. I do not like Martin Short. I do. I think his time has passed. Or yeah. he's not funny, but he's up. They. It's like they push it, right? Yes. They, <laughs> I can just tell some TV executives just pushed him on the show yeah. along with Elliot Gould, and they're just totally not funny on that show. I mean, the show would be so much better without those two guys. But it is. It seems like one of these shows forcing it, where right? the executives, yeah, it's just, ah, you need some older. You need to attract an older demographic. That's why we're putting these two. You know. I know with Roseanne, there was you know there was so much arguing. I, I I read an article from her where she said the executives they would regularly tell her, no no no, your character would say this. She's like, I am my character. This story is about yeah, me, yeah. you idiots. Yeah. And they would constantly tell her, no, the character wouldn't say that. She would say this or no, you should say this. This is how a middle-aged housewife. And she would just get infuriated because she was writing about herself. So she knows what she would say. Right. May, may I give you um, um, like an analogy? Um, this probably not makes sense to Rosie, but sports analogy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a many like assisting coaches. They're they're waiting for their opportunity to be a head coach, right? So you know how often do you get a chance to do that? But problem is sometimes these guys are so desperate to get a, a head coaching job they ended up going to organizations like a really shithole like there's no chance for you to win it's just terrible culture right yeah so 
I think that part of the reason why Seinfeld and uh, Larry David were successful, they were old enough, experienced enough, and confident enough, they, they said, no, we're going to do it our way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you're a new comic, I, how, yeah. you, I don't think you're in a position like, no, I don't agree with you. This is the way I want to yeah. do it. You know well, what I mean? Well, look at, look at Louis C.K., the situation yeah. he set up with FX is that... It's my wanted, way. Yeah, yeah that's he it. He wanted total control, which... And he and, took a pay cut. And maybe you're right. Yeah, it's like you have to be experienced and seasoned enough and know yourself well enough that you won't bow to that pressure, man. And you have to be confident enough to walk away if they say, well, screw you. (laughs) We don't want to work with you. Because I'm friends with Jim Norton, and Jim used to take me to taping of Lucky Louie, and I think I went to every episode except for one, and I didn't know Louie all that much. I just saw him, like, Aspen Comedy Festival. He was making fun of a bunch of puppet act before his show. It was really funny. (laughs) But I didn't know Louie that much, and I didn't know that he was going to be this, uh, oh, maybe he was at the time, this genius that, that I didn't really know him you know because I was pretty much like Chris Rock David Till kind of guy about New York City I, I, I didn't know so little I knew so little about Louis C.K. but um, even even back in those days it's like maybe nine years ago on HBO it seemed, it seemed like Louis wanted to do it his way uh-huh. he you didn't know? seem happy I went with you a couple times you know I'm sure he's uh, under the uh, but I guess Maybe you learned all the mistake, and when he was given the second chance, he said, absolutely, I do it my way. You don't get to see what it is. I ship you when it's done, and you release it the way yeah. it is, you know. And how, because how, of the first show, not doing uh, what he wanted. Because right? of Lucky Louie, and yeah. when he did Louie, you know, it's... I think you should let funny people do funny things. Yeah. But, I th- but I think, so I don't know if that's true or not, but from what Roseanne was saying, that's what she she thinks killed him because they canceled the show after one season. He was really excited to be on the new project. Yeah. And I don't know if that's true. I know he struggled with drug addiction and depression and other things like most comics. But, I mean, it is, from what I've heard from comedians I know that have had shows, it's pretty freaking horrible because you think it's going to be oh I got my show but it's not it's not that yeah it's like Yoshi being forced to be clean on every show for the rest of his life <laughs> it's not going to work well even you know what little I remember from 1994 with All American Girl with Margaret Cho it, it, it sounded like it was a very traumatic experience for her like well, they wanted her to lose a lot of weight yeah they yeah. hired a trainer for her which was on my pad- podcast guys so you want to listen to <laughs> And the and trainer? The trainer, the trainer. Who was it? Uh, his name is Vinny Tortorich. I love him. I followed his diet. Yes, and Vinny no Tortorich. Grains, no sugar. No grains, no sugar. Yeah. He was on my podcast talking about making Miss Cho lose weight. Do you, do you know who like who I heard about this diet from? Who? Robert Kelly, who's still a fat fuck. <laughs> <laughs> He's like he was like, "Wait, you're friend with Robert Kelly?" No, he was just talk- he was on Open Anthony oh. one day, and he says, "I'm on this great diet called No Grains, No Sugar," and he's like saying how great it is, and I go, "Oh, well, I got to try myself," and it worked for me. I, I dropped 25 pounds, but and Robert- do you know how I know Vinny Tortorich? No, he's from New Orleans. Oh, that's right. I read his book. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He went. He played for LSU, I think. Or, or yeah. Okay, sorry. Side tangent, guys. Uh, um, <laughs> oh, cool. That's cool. You I, know. We need to go back, but I, I gotta say, Robert Kelly, very funny guy. But I'm, I'm, I was worried for him because he was overweight when I met him. Then one year, he was completely skinny. I'm like this is great for you, right? <laughs> then, then maybe a year and a half, two years, like holy fuck, he, he was heavier than before. So like, <laughs> I, I, you 
know, like that kind of stuff really scares me. Um, you know, unless you're an actor and you you pull in Robert De Niro, Michael Fassbender. Yeah, no. yeah, I haven't seen him in Raging Bull. Yeah, like <laughs> if you're losing weight for the role, because you know I do medical lab and I had to lose 25 pounds and 26 pounds in 25 days. I did it. You know, so whatever. Um, I don't follow any of the diet shit. I just like eat less, walk a lot. That's all I do. Um, so going back to Robert Williams, like I'm just very sad because I never met the guy and I hear nothing but great things about him. And ironically, two things. One, he played a psychologist who in uh, Good Will Hunting and what a loving character that he was. And two, I read this thing in Time Magazine, Dick Cavett, uh, TV personality and funny comedian himself. He remembered the conversation he had with Robin Williams like three, four years ago where he, Robert, Robin just killed it. I mean, just, just hundreds of people in the room. He gets up, standing O, and he told Dick like, isn't it funny Like I can make room for people laugh, but I can't make myself laugh or happy. And that, that, that to me was like, it was just sad because I don't know if he really knew how much he meant to a lot of people. It sounds, this sounds so cheesy and cliche, but I, I, I think back as a kid, Good Morning America. I like think he, he just he was just amazing, you know. I, I think I think the Polish society. I don't think he the, he was wild about the fame. I saw him at the comedy store also another yeah. night, where he went into this weird thing where he. Well, then we find out we finding we find out like she, she was actually stalking Robert. <laughs> yeah. no. I saw him at the comedy store. Yeah. and He did this weird thing where he was like. Oh my god, you're Robin Williams. Oh my god, you're Robin Williams. Oh my god. And he just kept doing that for like 10, 15 minutes. It seemed like he was going a little crazy. Like like maybe that was what he experienced that day or something. I mean, I'm sure he was suffering from some kind of depression or something because... But you know, I, I, I don't know if I agree with Roseanne Barr because when people kill themselves, you really never know for sure why. Uh-huh. You know, because my I don't, uncle I don't, did it. Rose, my dad Roseanne did was it. just saying it was a toxic system and it contributed to his... I'm sure they had the help. Yeah. But it, it's really hard to pinpoint like one, you know what I mean? It's just... So it's very sad. I I am I'm, I'm sad that he's dead. I, I think that he, I think he was a lovely lovely man. He was very funny. He made so many people happy. Um, yeah, I'm so, just sad to see him go. Man. But I think suicide is kind of high with comedians. I know, I I think we've lost we lost to my knowledge three or four comedians last year in the LA area to suicide. Um, I can't remember everyone's name. A lot of them were newer Obviously comics. Obviously, you didn't care about them, Rosie. <laughs> Thanks, you didn't care enough to remember their names. I do know their names. I just can't think of it for some reason right now. But they were... New- I mean, you remember them if they owe you money. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Yoshi. Yoshi, after Patrice doing his... Patrice O'Neill over after here. After doing his clean set, it has, to, it has to come out some way. The dark. Yoshi O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, Stan, did you, did you ever meet Robin? I know. I had a chance. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I was. It just seemed like he was gonna live forever, you know, because I've known him as so long from the the first year I went to fucking USA in '79. Mark, Mark and Mendy. And sure. Like, I don't know. I just thought God is so sad. And another person was sad for me to uh, see go. Uh, uh, um, of course, you met her. Why am I spacing out? Um, Joan Rivers. Yeah. Oh, you couldn't even remember Joan Rivers' name, Yoshi. It just <laughs> I, yeah, you didn't I, I care love, about her. <laughs> I love Joan. I was totally shocked because you know she had such a spirit. You think yeah. she'd live to like 120? You know. So. I did meet Joan, and my friend oh. was opening for her in San Luis Obispo, and I I've looked up for her to her for a long time, but I had never seen her live. And my husband surprised me with tickets, and she was amazing. Amazing. Thumbs yeah. up, a plus plus plus. Not only was she brilliant on stage, funny and dirty. 
within five minutes of getting off stage, I went to go meet her backstage, and this is a girl thing. She was in a completely different wardrobe change and perfect makeup. Yeah. <laughs> and not sweating, even though she had done an extremely physical act. I, I always admire, what I really admired about her was her work ethic. Yes. Just a really hard worker. Like, she used to do, like, her talk show. Like, she had that talk show, what was it, like, in the early 90s? She is fearless because she went she went against Johnny Carson. Sure. JC. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's right. That, like, that was a totally tore their relationship And her husband apart. killed himself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, so, like, your husband killed or something, and I think she was still doing this talk show. She had, like, a daytime talk show. But, like, she would fly across the country to perform, like, in Atlantic City. Sure. And then fly back for the talk show. Just like, oh, my God, this woman is a force of nature. And for those of you you don't know this, if you're too young to know, or maybe another country, Johnny Carson couldn't get any fucking bigger. He, he was Mr. Tonight Show. It, it, you know, he, he was really the father of the nation because if there was some political incident, he's the guy who will talk and the nation will listen, you know, because right this now... This is before a thousand cable channels, so yeah, there's only like four there channels. There was only one show and, and one of the talent of Johnny, of one of many talents, when the joke doesn't go right, he he has a funny response to it, and that he was a master at it. You know, his background's magic. He used to do magic trick and things like that. When he drop a shitty joke, he will somehow escape and say something to you get an even bigger laugh. You know, he Johnny Carson was huge, and for Joan Rivers to go against him, and in fact, when he when she called Johnny Carson and say that I'm going to compete against you, he hang up on her. And he called, she called again, and he hung up on her twice. And that was it. That was the last conversation he, she had with Johnny Carson. But Joan was unbelievable. I can't even say she was a funny female comedian. She was just a funny comedian. Sure. And uh, um, I mean, here, she's a very wealthy woman, left a lot of money for her family because all this work, and like she just worked, 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 and that's what she's ever done. Have you guys seen a piece of work? Yes. Great documentary. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just shows you what a hard worker she was. Amazing. So I'm, I, I was very sad to those two people passed away. Now, there's a third person who then died, but to me, this person must be dead because <laughs> Bill Cosby. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like to me in many ways, like who is this fucking guy? You know, like um, 1984 when the book Fatherhood was released. That's the only book when I was a young kid, ran to a bookstore, got it the first day to buy. That's how big of a fan I was. Like you listened to his records or his... Yeah, like uh, I wasn't trying to be comics. Like special. Just, it just made me laugh. I love Cosby Show. And, you know, do I have evidence to prove that he was a rapist? No, but my girlfriend feels like he's fucking guilty. At least in public opinion, he's fucking guilty. And I just think... Well, just, I think what do these women have to gain? A lot of these women, yeah. what do they... A lot of them, they're past the statute of limitations and they can't sue him for money and they really don't care. That's what... And some of them are so old. I don't I don't think grandma's going to lie about it. It's like... There yeah. was like he violated them and, you know, um, I, I, it, he wronged these people, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's very sad, but you know, you know how it is, like, not enough Muslims are not speaking against the terrorists, whatever this and that. Uh, they should be saying more when they do something bad. It's just disappointing not enough black leaders are like criticizing Bill Cosby. Like you're, you're always there to criticize when white people do something horrible to black people, but what about rape? You know, what, what about, uh, I haven't heard not enough big black entertainers saying something about it. Yeah, they're all kind of 
kind of stepping back and be like, well, it hasn't been proven in court. Uh, well, like shut the fuck up. Then you should get the benefit <laughs> of doubt when white people do it too. You know, like a lot it's of just are fucking being disappointing. It really is. And uh, uh, I, I, I have no comfort. I'm, I'm, I'm com- very comfortable saying like, yeah, he's a fucking rapist. What I don't like is is his the way that he's dealing with it. Like the same time that he was accused of it, the guy from Seventh Heaven, the dad from Seventh yeah. Heaven, was accused. And I thought he handled it really classy. Yeah. He admitted it. He said, I have a problem with it. And I'm taking responsibility. And But to be fair, he was caught in audio saying it. He was caught. But I mean, yeah. with so but many allegations yeah. against Cosby, yeah. the way that he's just being dismissive of it, I think yeah. is more upsetting to people. You know, he's been caught in multiple uh-huh. interviews, flashing his hand like this, like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. Being very dismissive. Being... Just the way he's handling it is yeah. seems very dismissive and belittling and like kind of like he does have a power issue, you know? What yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think in his mind, I think he thinks he's above all this. Because my friend used to yeah. work for Tonight Show, and I remember one of them said, "Oh my God, he's here!" And who are you talking about, like Bill Cosby? And I just sort of walked by. He was just this crusty, grumpy guy. Like, what a fucking prick! And you know. I'm just disappointed by the whole thing. Grumpy guy. <laughs> it just disappointed me uh, because I'm gonna be a grumpy old guy too. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but I'm not gonna fucking migrate people. Um, because of the well, what you said earlier before the podcast when we talked about this, because you said he's rich, he has the money to hire prostitutes. It's about the violation, like he enjoyed it in some. Yeah, you way. could hire people to give you blowjobs. Right. You just you got the money. So there's some really creepy yeah, evil yeah. shit going there's on. There's a different ass. Yeah, he's into having sex with unconscious. Yeah. So yeah, it's fucking um, oh, it just it just it, it fucking disappoint me. Another thing is because I'm a dirty act. Fuck you for telling people to clean act. Well, you might say clean act, but you're doing some dirty shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I have it's, not. It's always like that. Like you'll see a politician who's all about you know family values right. and all that stuff, yeah. and then he's Again, like, right. and then Again, he's homosexual. And yeah. thing, you know what he's, he's blowing some guy yeah. <laughs> yeah. in like exactly. the bathroom. Or something like that, or some super family values guy, and then he's having like ten affairs and everything. It's always that guy. Yes. Yeah, you're right. When you're telling people to be super clean, you have a sick mind. Can I ask you guys, like, uh, was there <laughs> comedians, couple comedians that you met, like, you're so happy that you met them because you want to meet them? I'm like, do you, do you have experiences like that? I mean, yeah, give me a couple examples for you guys. I mean, well, for me, it was Joan. She's one of my top, you know, top. Yeah. A lot of guys. Role model. Oh, Oh, you're just saying that because she's a female comic that she's your favorite. No, she really is funny. And to see her live, she just solidified that. She was so funny and so dirty. You know, she even made fun of Asian chicks and I laughed and, you know, usually I don't like that. But I was, she was hilarious and so funny and so classy. That's the thing. That's the absolute worst where you meet someone, you look up to them. Because this has happened to me. I'm not going to name names. Where I've met certain people in the industry that I really looked up to as a kid for yeah. whatever reason. And then they're just a dick. And you're like, yeah. this person's a dick. They're a total asshole. Yeah. And you see kind of the humanity. I know that sounds silly. But you see how fragile their egos are and how desperate they are. Yeah. I had a comedian who I looked up to for a long time. And, uh, you know, he's an Asian comic. And I looked up to him when I, before I started comedy. I used to watch his specials. And then I was on a show with him. And, oh, I don't want to be in a show with another Asian comic. I was like, "What I, the?" You don't, you don't. You don't have to say this person's name because I know who it is. Uh, I don't. I, I can't follow Rosie King. Me, 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 like a little bitch. And I was like, "Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me?" Right. It was such a disappointment. You'll tell me after the podcast. 
Yoshi knows. <laughs> I, I, have, I have an idea, but anyways. Uh, who, who, was there a comedian, a comedian or comedians that you met, like you were so happy to meet them? Uh, well, you know me. I love Attell. And yes. He's, he is such a decent, honest, wonderful, great guy. So, yeah. yeah, that's like one situation where you respect him so much for his comedy, but you also maybe you respect him even more as a human. Yeah, you, know? you meet the person and tells an A-plus classy guy. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up as a big Dave Linderman fan, and I am still a big Dave Linderman fan. I'm very sad that he's retiring this year and probably not going to see him live. Yeah. But you know who I kind of learned over the years love and respect? Jay Leno, and that's not a very popular thing to say for some reason. Uh-huh. But I, 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 I met him, and like I have so much respect for Leno because he really worked hard like Jung, and uh, I really like uh, hearing what he has to say. But man, if you have a chance to see him come in Magic Club every Sunday, check him out because Leno, I mean, he is hilarious and I, I much love for that guy. And I just heard a rumor that Letterman's trying to have Leno on the guest on the show before he retires. So oh, wow. I, I, I hope it happened. But I have to say, there's a few people that I, I, I really uh, want to meet them. I kind of help, I did help Russell Peters give MC gig at the Comedy Magic Club. Uh, hosting a show for George Carlin and I didn't have a chance to talk to him because I was really like starstruck and scared and I'm, I'm, I'm sad because a year later he passed away but to see him live what a pleasure for me you know and um, I'm a huge fan of him I would like to meet Eddie Murphy it hasn't happened yet but I would like to meet him but one of the comics that I was really happy to meet at the Comedy Magic Club was I ended up taking, talking to Gary Shandling because he's one of my favorite oh I love his show yeah Gary Shandling's great and he was so uh, accessible and like sweet and smart and funny guy, and we ended up talking about boxing of all things at the Comedy Magic Club because he, he boxed. But it's moments like that with all those thousands of shows I bomb and people hated me <laughs> make the experience worth it because when I meet people that made me laugh, it, it was fantastic. You know, like I, I, I was like like I also met John Cleese through my friend Camilla Cleese recently. John Cleese is just. A fucking genius, you know. Just I, yeah. I don't. I mean, I mean, it's, it's an experience like that meeting, fucking a tail. Monty Python, right? Yeah, John yeah. Cleese and um, George Carlin, you know. And when I saw um, um, uh, Jonathan Winter, I didn't have a chance to talk to him. But when I saw him, like the master improv guy, you know. And when I met yeah. Jim Carrey, I mean, you know, Jim Carrey was such a sweet guy, like. But Where did you meet him? It's a nice show, but Rosie okay. was right. Jim Carrey is so funny and talented, but you could feel the sadness. I mean, you really feel the sadness with that guy. Oh, really? You just feel it. Like, he had a smile, but like it was like, this is a man who thinks a lot, feels a lot, and... Uh-huh. Yeah, it just, you just... Like, he was sweet, but like there's some melancholy about the guy, you know? You can, you can feel it. If... if you can feel it if you pay attention yeah. because I, you know, I've seen that before and I think I said something about that when I saw Robin Williams is that he seems kind of sad and the comics are like oh what are you talking about you know so if you're paying attention you can kind of see it yeah. Yeah. yeah I gotta say I've never seen a comedian destroy a crowd as much as I saw in oh god it must have been like 1990 or so I was at the Melrose Improv yeah. and Jim Carrey he wasn't even the closer he was like the third or fourth comedian up on like a Friday night show sure and he just destroyed the audience this is like when he first like Living Color Jess came on yeah. and maybe he was just kind of finding you know the audience was finding him at the time but 
man, he just killed that crowd. It was like, I think people go, what the fuck just happened? You know, just how he destroyed. It was amazing. I'll never forget that. But, all right, well, here's a, here's a topic that I, you know, yeah. you were talking about Johnny Carson earlier. Yeah. And how, you know, it was very prestigious, obviously, to see Johnny Carson, or beyond, sorry, beyond Johnny Carson as a stand-up. And I guess it was even more of a notch that if you did really well, Johnny Carson would have you come over. Oh, it, it could make your career. Yeah. It, it make you like, um, it's almost like if you're in the mob, if you do well, he'll make you made man. The rest of your career, you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's how powerful Tonight Show under Johnny Carson was. He did it for 30 fucking years. Now, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess maybe there was just never anything that really replaced that. I don't, you know... It, can I, I, mean, you, I don't can know. I, I don't know if it was more. Pre- I mean, uh, you probably have your opinion whether whether it was more prestigious to do Leno or Letterman, or maybe just. But did, I mean, even that matter. that these days it doesn't matter. I know yeah. so many people who have multiple appearances, right? And then I'll see them at the same bar gig I'm at, and right. they've they've even told me, "Oh, I thought it was going to change my life, and here I am with the same bar gig as you, Rosie." Right. <laughs> right. It depends on whom, because when Ray Romano did the first show with Letterman. After the show, Letterman signed him uh, for the what is the Iron Pants production, whatever. Uh, oh, Worldwide Pants. Yeah, Worldwide yeah. Pants, and uh, that's how everyone loves Ray- uh, Raymond. Said come, come, come out. Right, of it. right. And the only other person, the second person ever to get it, is interesting, is Joe Wong, the Chinese American comedian. But I heard like, <laughs> recently that he moved back to China to do shows in China. So I, I don't oh, know. Oh, really? Why. Yeah, but yeah, maybe you're right. I mean, it is interesting because I know, like, at the club that I work at in Indianapolis, Morty's. A lot of the features have Letterman credits. It's like, really? And you're just featuring? <laughs> Can I give you an example of uh, what that like? Like, Johnny Carson was like Soviet Union, but after the Cold War, the Soviet Union broke into so many different pieces. There was one talk show, and all of a sudden, after Johnny Carson, how many fucking shows were there in the last 20 years? So many shows. Yeah. Leno, Letterman, Ferguson, Conan, Conan uh, yeah. Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Chelsea Handler, Kimmel, uh, you know it's long. Yeah. Um, you don't have a, like a watercolor show where next day, did you see the comedian this and that? I right. Don't, I don't think you there have isn't that. There isn't that combined experience. Or no. Everyone has that shared experience. It's splintered it so much. It's like yeah. it's like hundred dollars from fifty years ago uh, versus hundred dollars now because if you're on Letterman like 30, uh, 25 years ago, or if you're on Johnny Carson show like forty years ago. Versus Tonight Show now, I think it's a world of difference, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's why I think people who tweet funny thing might get something, or people on YouTube. So we we are living in a different era. Uh, you know, getting a movie, I'm sure, still is good. But why is it that someone who is nominated by Oscar one year and next year during no longer get acting jobs? You know, like who's worse off? Somebody nominated Oscar and not win it, or even if they win it, but they don't have a career after that for whatever reason. Right. Like that black guy, the Somali guy who was nominated for Captain Phillips last year. He was like best supporting actor, but I read that he's struggling. Versus Russell Peters, who doesn't been nominated for Oscar or TV show or movies, but he makes twenty eight million a year. So like, I don't know which. I kind of think Russell's doing well. Right. You know, it's like I guess where where are you in the entertaining uh, food chain? Yeah, it doesn't. Even Oscar, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Maybe I don't know if it ever really necessarily helped you. I don't know, like winning an Oscar, yeah, like 
You always see like people win an Oscar, like their next movie comes out like a piece of shit. Like, that happened with Kimo Gooding Jr. hit Snow Dogs after. Uh... Yeah. Or like Halle Berry won the Oscar. Her next movie was like Catwoman, which like totally tanks. So it's like, I don't know. It's, yeah. It's I heard it's a curse, and also there's like yeah. a curse, couples curse. If your spouse is nominated, you're not, then they break up the next year. That happened with Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Philippe and like a bunch of other actors. Yeah. Where one's nominated but the other's not, and then they it's jump like guys, them. Maybe oh, guys yeah. give me a hard time. Like, hey, well, like, your wife is famous, or you're not. What's going on here? And like, I don't know. Maybe some guys can't handle it, but who knows what, what happened in that relationship? Maybe that didn't help, or. But it's been like I think every couple or something, but and it's not just the girl gets nominated, the guy doesn't. It's reverse has happened also. I think one of the secure guys, Brad Pitt, because he's probably married. Obviously, he's married to somebody even more famous than him in some respect. And, uh, you know, it works. It's working out for them. Um, I know this is not related to comedy, but um, I'd like to answer because... Um, question. Let's talk a little bit about Oscar. Like, you guys want to talk about some of the favorite movies that you watch or uh, good um, uh, performance? Um, any, any? Uh, I've only watched a few of... Uh, yeah, I only I watched a couple seen, of the, the best. Of I saw Birdman. Did you? Saw, How did you like it? I saw Birdman. I really love the cin cinematography of it. Yeah. The way it, like, uh, you, have you seen it, Rosie? I have seen it. I have the screener at my house. Oh, wow. Uh, I beat you both. I had, <laughs> I had a, I had a. I have Michael Keaton in my pants. What? <laughs> I, I got a special path through Chris Gore, and we went to the premiere, the first or second premiere, where Michael Keaton was there. Oh, okay. And it was weird, because I loved the movie so much. I loved, I loved him in the fucking Beetlejuice, and there's a rumor that there might be Beetlejuice too. I loved him in Batman, and the fact that he was a stand-up comic, I love that. And then I also love the fact that Zach Galifianakis was in it, and... Well, I love the cinematography yeah, and how you get this beautiful. feeling that it's just yeah. this one long shot. I did, but I started seeing the cuts after my husband would pause and point them out to me. <laughs> um, I heard it was semi-autobiographical with his Batman. With, because with, there's three people in the movie, all three of them was in a superhero movie. Uh, uh, so you have um, Michael King, Batman. Yeah. You have Ed Norton who played Incredible Hulk. Oh, that's right. And... Uh, What's Emma's last name? Emma Stone. Emma Stone oh, was Spider-Man. Spider -Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hate Spider-Man. Going back to uh, Lucky Louie, she was on one of the episodes where she was playing really bratty daughter of one of the characters' wife. And I didn't make a connection after years later, but when I saw her in that particular episode, I was there. Here's this 16 or 17 girl being real fucking bitchy. What an unbelievable performance. And I met her after you know, many years later at the Tonight Show. Couldn't be a nicer person. She's such a big star and secure with herself. She didn't even have a limousine pick her up. She drove her mom and uh, what a sweet person took a picture with us. Um, so it was really nice. But Berman enjoyed it. <coughs> I want to say hello to Michael Keaton, but like watching that movie, like, oh, I got to show respect because I love the movie. It, it, it was great. Um, uh, and the only other one I saw was, um, yeah. Grand, was it Grand Budapest Hotel? Oh, oh yeah, I, I did haven't see seen Grand it. Budapest. Very, I thought that was adorable. Oh, I loved it. I, I loved thought Grand it. Budapest Hotel was great. I don't know. Many, many people say that. Uh, Very quirky. I love quirky stuff. Who's Who's the uh, filmmaker? Wes. Wes, Wes Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, he's awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. I mean, I guess some people think he's kind of one note, but I do. I like the way he is I like, one I like note, but style. I like his note. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a great I like note. His style, so. It's a great note. Very, it's very. It's a fucking C note. Very quirky, very interesting. I love Ralph Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's great, great. and I mean, it's a really cute story. Love the ethnic lead. Is there a, like a favorite? I mean, for best movie. 
Uh, yeah, they thought it was going to be Boyhood or whatever. Boyhood, yeah. but then I guess at the Indie Awards or the Golden Globes, they didn't get that many nods. Um, so I think Boyhood is heavily favorite. Uh, so based then they on were like Las Vegas betting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And the second, I have seen Boyhood. I have seen more of these. The second one is uh, Berman, but um, I haven't seen Boyhood. I have to say, the, uh, I saw this recently. Whiplash, I fucking love. Oh, do you? Oh, okay. Love I'll it. talk to you later. <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, did you guys see it? I haven't, uh, I haven't seen Whiplash. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's basically. Uh, I always get his name wrong. Is it Katie J.K. Uh, Simmons? He played a neo-Nazi racist in uh, Oz, and uh, he was in Juno, played a father in it. But yeah, he, he was uh, uh, the the newspaper guy in Spider-Man. Yes, he played this fucking militant fascist uh, music teacher, just terrorizing people at this most prestigious music school. Yeah, and the, one of the main the main character in the movie is this kid who is looks like a prodigy, but he just literally beat this kid he's trying to beat the greatness out of him and hmm. ask one of those questions really like, yeah it's just like a really tough it's almost like a full metal jacket meets music you know the like the yeah. uh, uh, music movie and oh. um it, it it's tough because yeah, i really want to see it it's, 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 it's a phenomenal movies. because um you know malcolm glanswell is a famous writer he talked about this theory about ten thousand hours to be competent and be good at yeah. it you have to repeatedly do something well over and over. I mean, just keep doing it over and over and over. Um, I have a conflicting feeling because idea is if you just beat somebody, push them hard, that you could get greatness out of them, like get this genius out of them, right? But I don't know if I agree with that because you could spend 10,000 hours doing something over and trying to get better at it. That's not going to make you genius because being genius is you're, I think you're really born or born. Mm -hmm. Not born with it. Yeah. A uh, ten thousand hour theory. I think that's true. You could get better at something. I I agree with you, Yoshi. I've seen people, especially in acting classes that I take and stuff. They just can't act, and it doesn't matter how much they practice acting. They're never going to be able to act. They're just awkward, and they don't. It's just they can't. And then I've seen people who, you know, have been acting for a week, and they're like amazing. And they can work on it and get better and learn how to memorize lines and practice things. But you're either outgoing or you're not. Like you can't be force someone to be yeah. outgoing, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I kind of got to know Kesa Castro Hughes, that little girl from uh, Well Rider, uh, through Aiko Tanaka. She's a really good friend with him. Aiko's also a friend of Posada, uh, the girl that I was talking about. But um, Keisha never had a, like training at all. They, they were looking for some girl for the movie in New Zealand. They found this girl. She's completely natural. Listening and reacting, and like, mm. I think, I think that's that's the same thing I keep hearing over and over from people who are really good at acting and talented. Um, and I think her, if she spent ten thousand hours of acting, I'm sure she get phenomenal. But she was born with the talent, you know what I mean? Like, at some point, you need to spend time being good at something. But but genius is a thing different thing I think you're born with it genius, genius is something else but hard work does pay off because yes, there's, there's people that I know that will get better at it that well there's people that I know that are mediocre talent but they bust their ass in stand-up and they're always getting gigs and they're always getting further with their career sure. because they're constantly busting their ass yeah and you know it, are they as talented as David tell are they as talented as Joan are they as no but they're getting a lot of work and they're getting their name out there right. so I mean the 10,000 hours Plus, talent is like amazing. Amazing. Unfortunately, a lot of people who are talented are right. hard, hard on themselves or, or lazy or whatever. So it's it's a mix. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's sad sometimes when you, whether you meet a model or athlete or actor or comedian or artist or whatever, that there's some people who really love what they're doing, but it's not my business to tell them you don't have a talent. If they don't want to do it, go ahead. But sadly, no amount of 10,000 hours is going to make you good at something if you don't have the talent. Or sometimes you don't care about the fame. I knew, yeah. I know local musicians in New Orleans who are 20,000 times more talented than any mm -hmm. musician I've ever seen. But they don't want to leave New Orleans. They're just, they don't care. Yeah. They don't care about the money. They say, hey, I'm playing the horn or playing whatever. I love doing this. I make enough money to scrape by and that's all I care about. Yeah. And there's, you know, I know comics like that too who won't leave their local market. They're like, sure. uh, I love telling jokes. I have a decent job. I'm married. I have kids. Who cares? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's a different issue of us. Reaching success, but but well, uh, because but in that case, no one's gonna know about your talent, which sure. is another thing. It's kind of like if a tree falls in the wood, woods. You know, there's these local New Orleans musicians I know who are so talented, but nobody knows who the hell they are, so people can't really enjoy their music. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that the, I think I've noticed that with stand-ups that there is that component of, of a lot of the successful ones, or that, that they need that drive, right? Yeah, the, well, the, yeah, there's this need to be on stage and to have that kind of response. That kind of love on stage. That they, yeah. they really do need that, which because that's the only love I get. <laughs> I actually was performing at the comedy store with one of the Wayne's brothers. I can't remember who. I know that's bad, but he was in the back and he said, you know, he said Sam comedy is more addictive to me than crack. He's like, I'm a multimillionaire and I'm sitting at the comedy store waiting for five minutes. Like, yeah. what the hell? I have a wife and kids at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I, can I recommend a couple other movies I like? Uh, sure. Sam Benson with uh, uh, um, Bill Murray. Bill Murray was fantastic. What was it, it called? Oh, St. Vincent. St. Vincent? Oh, I haven't seen it. St. Vincent. I uh, enjoyed it a lot. In fact, the guy who wrote the script, I mean, it's an amazing story. He kept bugging uh, someone who knows Bill Murray. He eventually got a number to the lawyer. The lawyer told him, what's the story about? Okay, well, you could leave a message to Bill, and if Bill likes it, he'll contact you. But if he doesn't, well, he doesn't like your project. So this writer wrote this St. Vincent. It's a really sweet, funny comedy. Left a message, like, uh, you know, I might not have all the data right, but eventually Bill Murray called me back, like, hi, this is Bill Murray, can I talk to you? You know, then he's talking to this guy, and um, eventually, like, okay, send me, send me your script, whatever. Then a couple months later, he calls him and say, hey, this is Bill Murray, let me pick you up, and we'll go down to San Diego, and he just talk about, about the story. So, basically, Bill Murray agreed to do this movie just through, you know, just meeting this guy, but... Um, this dream came through for this guy. It's and it's Oscar nominated? I don't know if it's nominated, but it's it's a fun movie and uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and Imitation Game, did you guys watch that? Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, about the Code Breaker. Uh, yeah, Alan Turing and with Kira Knightley because yeah. I watched anything with Kira Knightley. And it was, um, you love Kira Knightley. It's a fantastic film and it's sad that here's this genius who helped win the World War II prosecuted because of homosexual and to think we all would have been better off if this guy would have lived much longer, left alone and, and, and just, you know, talk about 10,000 hours. If this, if this guy lived a long time, imagine how much good he would have, how much more good he would have done. You know, he basically invented a computer, basically. Yeah. Um, any other movies that you guys recommend before we end it? It's funny, like I didn't even know we were going to end up talking about a movie, but I was a little worried what the fuck we were going to talk about. But yeah, we went pretty fun conversation. Um, 
guys have anything to promote, uh, this is most going to go up the next couple days, so... Uh, 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 yeah, just follow me on Twitter, guys, at FunnyRosie, and listen to my podcast, Out of the Box Podcast. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. I'm uh, going to be on Laughs TV. Uh, on Fox? On Fox. It's in, uh, yeah, just check uh, on the Laughs TV site, and uh, there's in a few networks. I think about six net, six uh, cities across the nation, so... Check it out, maybe in your city. And uh, I do uh, one week a month in Las Vegas, working for Edwin San Juan at uh, uh, Planet Hollywood uh, Casino. I will be going to Europe in about 10 days, so I will be performing in February 2014, uh, last week of uh, February, uh, performing in various different rooms in Stockholm, uh, Sweden. And it looks like I'm working with David Tell up in Seattle, uh, Bellevue, Washington, at the Parlor Club, April 17, 18, which is Friday and Saturday. So I, I'm 90% sure I got the gig, but um, yeah, that's what I'll be doing. Uh, thanks for listening to this. Uh, check out Duty Sports with Andy and Joe Perino. Uh, I might be working more and doing stuff with them. And check out Chris Ford's stuff. And uh, thanks for listening to the show. And Rosie and Stan, thanks for doing it. That was fun. It really was fun. We're almost back in LA. And uh, I will talk to you guys soon.